0: Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday the 16th of January. In your Squiz today, getting set for the US presidential election, Hamas shares a hostage video, The Australian Open's bumpy start, and a new royal fashionista. This is your Squiz today. US politics nerds are rejoicing this morning because it's all systems go for the presidential race. Republican candidates, hopeful of becoming president, are facing the party faithful in the midwestern state of Iowa today, which is hosting the first vote on who the party's candidate should be to face off against the Democratic president, Joe Biden, on the 5th of November.
1: Yeah, so voting opened at about midnight our time last night, and a result should be clear by about midnight today, our time. Um, Going into it, former President Donald Trump has a lead with 48% of Iowan Republican voters' support. That's according to a big local poll that was published on Sunday. His main competition comes from Nikki Haley. She's a former governor of South Carolina, and she was Trump's ambassador at the United Nations. She has started to build some momentum and support in the last few weeks, but the poll have her at a distant second in that race against Trump. That poll from Sunday had her at 20%, while the former Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, who was a really early favourite to challenge Trump, he's polling at 16%.
0: And Claire, another challenge is the state is in a grip of an epic cold snap. That's a problem because the process requires voters to attend one of the 1500 caucus sites in person. And on Sunday, Trump told a rally, even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it. (laughs)
1: may not be worth it, if that person or their family. Uh, And Alice, when we say it's cold, last night it got to minus 24 degrees centigrade. That's in the capital of Des Moines. Mm. So so – It's cold and snowy and dangerous in many places, so let's see how that affects the result. And Alice, probably the other thing to say is it's just the beginning of what's going to happen in U.S. (laughs) politics this year. (laughs) There is this state by state process where registered party members will vote on the candidates, and then there's going to be the Republican conference in July to confirm who the candidate will be, and then it's on to the actual presidential campaign and the election, as you said, on the 5th of November.
0: And if you're wondering about the Democrats, they are going through a similar process with President Biden and two others vying for their party's nomination. It's unlikely Biden will face any serious challenge, though, as the incumbent, but there is still a process to go through. And if that's not enough US politics talk for you, Claire and I have recorded a shortcut with a bit more detail on this and who Nikki Haley is, because her surge in support is worth knowing about. You can find that in the Squiz Today show right after this episode this morning. Claire, it's been a while since we've talked about the Israeli hostages who were taken by Hamas terrorists during the 7th of October attack. Many were exchanged in prisoner swaps last year, but there are more than 130 still missing. And yesterday, Hamas released a video of three of the hostages urging the Israeli government to stop the attacks on Gaza.
1: Yeah, so it's a 37-second clip. Uh, It ended with a written message from the hostages' captors saying, tomorrow we will inform you of their fate. Uh, Israeli officials have refused to respond to the video and many news organisations have also chosen not to air it. One of the women in the video is 26-year-old Noah Amagami. She was kidnapped by a Hamas terrorist in Israel and she was taken away on the back of a motorcycle. It was one of the most unsettling and widespread images of that 7 October attack.
0: And while we're talking about that region, our Foreign Minister Penny Wong has just kicked off an official visit. She's in Jordan before she moves on to Israel. And she's due to meet the families of hostages as well as Palestinians who have been impacted by Israeli settler violence in the West Bank. I think it would be fair to say that not many women love going for a pap smear, but it has to be done and a new development is making it a little bit easier, Claire.
1: Yeah, so we're talking about the new self-collected cervical screening tests. It's really taking off. Usage apparently is skyrocketing by 25-fold. That's according to some statistics released yesterday. That self-collected test became more widely available in mid-2022, and it means that the days of going to see a doctor for a pap smear might be over. It's also a bit of a win for women's health because it means no more more uncomfortable exams. And that, of course, has put quite a few women off because they've had a bad experience or they have cultural objections. So could be a very good thing for screening for cervical cancer.
0: Yeah. And Claire, I didn't know this until I read about it yesterday, but about 70% of the 800 women who are diagnosed with cervical cancer in Australia each year have either never had a test or were overdue for one. How good is technology? These days, low-risk cases only need to be screened every five years. A quick message now from our podcast partner, dam copper mine. It's happening now at BHP. The Australian Open organisers were probably hoping for a smooth start to this year's tournament, but it's staying on brand with its usual early controversies. The problem it ran into on day one was a very late start for the defending women's champion. Yeah, and
1: this is why they started on Sunday rather than Monday <laughs> was so they could avoid these very late starts. But <laughs> it did happen on the new day one. That was Arena Sabalenka's match. She didn't get to serve her first ball until after 11.41pm on Sunday night. And, Alice, I don't know about you. I can barely stay up to 11. <laughs> 11. 11.41pm on any night, let alone a <laughs> Sunday night. Um, It's a problem, of course, because they've tried to fix it and it's meant to eliminate those crazy late finishes, but still it hasn't worked, certainly as far as the early stages of the tournament. The defending men's champion, Novak Djokovic, also has his own complaint. Uh, He's annoyed that fans are now allowed to walk around between the points instead of having to wait until the change of ends. If you've been to the tennis, you know what I talk Mm. about. If you get up and go to the loo or go and get a drink or whatever, you have to basically stay locked out or stay where you are until they do have that change of ends. Um, What Djokovic says is that he didn't know about that new rule and he says that it's quite distracting.
0: And there's also some off-court drama, Claire. The Victorian government is defending itself after it was revealed yesterday that it had bailed the tournament out to cover its losses during the pandemic. And there's no payback, even though the Open made a 62 $2 million profit last year. When you think royals and fashion, you probably think of the so called Kate Middleton effect or Meghan Markle effect, or of course Queen Mary. But there's a new fashion influencer in the British royal family. Claire, it's Princess Anne. A
1: bit of an unlikely fashion muse, (laughs) really. But she's become the muse for the Italian fashion house Fendi. Alice, it's for their menswear collection, though. <laughs> it's not a dig at her, though. The designer, Sylvia Venturini Fendi, she's a big fan of Anne's and she says that she reckons she's the most elegant woman in the world. And what that collection, which is called Town and Country, is about is taking inspiration from Anne's military attire and also her sustainable approach to fashion.
0: Yeah, which I'm sure King Charles is very happy about. During one of Princess Anne's recent trips to to Sri Lanka. She even took a swipe at fast fashion. She suggested a return to old school tailors and sturdy fabrics. So she's a fashion eco-warrior too.
1: Yeah, and a very worthy Fendi news, I reckon.
0: <laughs> Squeeze the day, Claire. We mentioned the Critics' Choice Awards yesterday. Today, it's the Emmy Awards turn. They kick off at midday if you're on the East Coast.
1: Yep. And look, if the Emmys or the Republican votes aren't (laughs) really your thing. It's supermodel Kate Moss's 50th birthday, so that's something that might make you
0: feel a bit older today. (laughs) And that's it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q and A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.